0: Hey there green future growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app and let's get growing. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon. It's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own Organic Oasis um it starts with healthy soil it talks about building an earth friendly landscape it helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects it talks about fruit trees and just um all the lessons that i've learned on my podcast mixed with what mike and i have done here okay what mike has done here at mike's green garden and just um i hope that it will help you on your garden journey uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for Mother Earth.
1: It's kind of crazy trying to um, keep up. You know, it's uh, what everybody is. They're looking for information and they're looking for answers and You know, I just feel like our role isn't answers, but it's information and inspiration. So that's what we're trying to do.
0: Well, you sent out that email that I got about how to build a victory garden. And I have had people asking me about that all week. So I'm so excited that you jumped on. Like I sent you an email like yesterday and you wrote back yesterday. Like it seemed like really two days ago. So I am not going to take up any more of your valuable time. I do always like to tell everybody it's super easy to edit so like if you need to let the dog out you want to get a cup of coffee like if there's anything you do, don't hesitate to put me on hold Okay I think I'm good I think uh I've got the cat locked out I just took a sip of water so I should be fine Awesome All right then I'll introduce you and here we go Okay so- so welcome to the Green Organic Garden podcast. It is Friday, March 27, 2020. We are right in the middle of the crazy corona um, virus pandemic and I have been getting question after question about Victory Gardens and I got an email from the national garden bureau about how to create a victory garden. And so believe it or not, they like, I got the email Wednesday and already today's Friday and here is Diane Blazek to tell us all about it. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and thank you so much for coming on today, Diane. Oh, well, I'm, I'm very happy to be here. Thank you for asking. And, um,
1: yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a a funny story. I know we need some funny stories at this time, but Um, I've been with National Garden Bureau 10 years. The organization is actually celebrating our 100th anniversary. So as a group, as we were planning our anniversary, obviously we had no idea that this virus pandemic was going to happen. And last week we were sitting around the office when we could still go to the office. And all of a sudden I kind of looked up on my bookshelf and I thought, The Victory Garden Manual, why not roll out what was produced and published back in 1943? Our founder wrote the manual. He was very involved with the Victory Garden programs, Um, so it just seemed like the timing would be right. So, you know, we have to give all the credit back to um, Mr. James Burdett and what he was doing in the 1920s and 30s and 40s by pulling all this information together
0: wow there's a lot of history there that's awesome and it it is a great time in our history and so i've been talking to people from seed um you know suppliers and people with dirt and like in our community facebook group today like mike and i just were um they were looking for somebody to go it's like 65 miles to a local cow um like the local dairy cow creamery and so they were looking and so we were like well we could do that and so maybe we're going to go deliver some local cow manure but um yeah people have been like people the surge in interest in gardening has never been so high and it's such a great like I'm an elementary school teacher so I'm hoping my parents are going to do that with their students and so um well tell us more Okay. Well, um, first of all, congratulations on being an elementary school teacher. That's
1: awesome. And actually today we just posted another blog post. We're working with kidsgardening.org. And there are about 10 different ideas that anybody can use to get their kids involved in gardening, especially right now when everybody is stuck at home. So
0: yeah. Well that's a great resource. I'm gonna check it out like we so my school technically is on spring break this week. Like we were not gonna be there anyway, but like our principal like we need to be able to go online to teach starting Monday, which is creeping up on us. And so yesterday it took me almost all day to record my math lesson. Like I went, I like to do some fun stuff, but like, so, and, and I know parents are going to struggle at home, especially like I have one parent who has six kids, three of which are not even in kindergarten yet. And now she has a kindergartner or a third grader and a fourth grader. Like, they need stuff to be able to do as like a family. And so those garden, I can't wait to go check out that website. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've got that
1: one. And so you can just get your kids involved in the victory garden too. So um, maybe some of these things would be really fun for kids to research Uh, with, with our victory garden tips, which I think are just very timely, no matter if it was 1943 or today is two things to start with. You must know your growing zone and you must know your last frost date, if you happen to live someplace that has frost dates. Um, But there are tools, online tools, which they did not have back in 1943. But you can go and um, enter your zip code on the USDA site and find your growing zone. And then there's multiple sites, too, where you can go and enter um, usually your zip code and you can find out your last frost date. So without knowing those two things, um, you're going to be pretty hard-pressed to figure out exactly when it is to plant so those are our first two tips is know your growing zone and know your last frost date
0: awesome and you know my husband and I came up with a free garden course last year and like a build your own organic oasis guidebook and there's like worksheets in there to kind of help you like once you find that information to keep it all together oh perfect good for you Yeah, side notes are good, yeah. So the next
1: step that we felt um, was very important in planning your garden And I have to admit that I'm bad at this part. I'm more of an impulsive gardener, but if you want to do this right, don't do it like me. Do as I say, not as I do. Um, Do your planning. And what we think would be the first thing is be practical. Make a list of things that your family will eat. Think about how much they can consume. Are you doing this in a community garden or are you sharing with other family members or your neighbor? So, Think about um, when it will be ready to eat, how much you can reasonably eat, and if there's more than what you can reasonably eat, what are you going to do with it? Are you able to can or freeze or otherwise preserve some of this extra produce that you'll have? Or do you have some sort of produce sharing network that I I can see things like that really popping up easily this year? Um, But, yeah, that would be the next step in the planning is – thinking specifically about what you want to grow, what your family will eat. And that means then that will carry you on to thinking about specific varieties that you want to grow, because that's always fun. Um, if you're a beginning gardener and you just say, OK, I want to grow a tomato, fine. Just any tomato, just grow it and try it. As you get more experienced, you're going to realize that there is a difference in varieties. There's a difference in taste, a difference in uh, the amount of space that they take when they grow. Um, you know, some of them are more unique colored produce or different tasting produce, but all of those are things that will come into play when you're deciding exactly what you want to put in your garden.
0: So this is so timely because I was actually just talking to my mom about her, experience with vegetables. And my mom's been a gardener forever. Like I never, I can't remember a day during the summer or a weekend where she didn't have her pruners in her back pocket and she wasn't out in the garden. And she was just telling me yesterday that she struggles to get a tomato that's sweet, like a nice big beefsteak slicing tomato. She's like, I grew grape paste tomatoes. She, I guess she's not the biggest fan of cherry tomatoes, whereas I love a cherry tomato. And I was telling her like Melissa Norris, raves about this San Marzano number seven piece tomato so I'm gonna to try to grow those this year I got seeds from burpees and from um Baker Creek I ordered um but like that's great that you're telling. I because what I said to her is well maybe it's your seeds maybe you don't have the right variety for growing in Long Island and then she's like hmm, I wonder, is there a Long Island tomato? And I think that's exactly what you're talking about, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, um, you know, I run two organizations. One is National Garden Bureau that put this uh, e-newsletter out in this blog. And the other one is All America Selections. And so we feel like um, experienced and new gardeners would really benefit from looking at all of the All America Selections winners. Because number one, they've been tested by professionals We know that uh, taste is rather subjective, but a majority of the judges are saying that the taste is really good. And when you go onto our website, there's descriptions on each one. If your mom doesn't like cherry tomatoes, because that is a different taste, maybe she wants grape tomatoes, if she wants a sweet uh, bee steak tomato, then she looks for something with a high Brix, B-R-I-X. That's the sweetness measurement. So it is amazing the amount of information that is available on the web. Um, but yeah, with with us, you could just go to All america Selections or National Garden Bureau and you're going to see a lot of information about varieties, especially new hybrids that are coming out that are going to be um, easier to grow higher yield more disease resistant because that's what the breeders are working on and by the way they're still putting taste top 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 priority
0: so this is exactly what listeners want to know okay so then what's the next step you know this is i'm going to maybe challenge my students to read this and write a sequence Oh, that's a good idea. Step one, step two. And I just posted a thing about writing a sequence about how you do the laundry because I have like a very specific sequence on how I do my laundry. But wouldn't this be fun to write a step-by-step sequence on how to pick a variety of a tomato for where they live? Hey, whatever, if your admistible. students
1: come up with a sequence and a little flow chart, we would be happy to promote it. We, we've we been talking about doing that. We just don't have the resources. You know, okay, do you have this space or this space? Is it this sunny? And, you know, what's your end result going to be or your end use? That I think that's a fantastic idea.
0: Oh my gosh, I have the student of the century do this. Like, I have one little boy who's like, I'm going to be a scientist. And he's always growing things. Like, every snack that we get, he's like, Here, Mrs. Byer, let's put this green bean. I save this so we can plant it. And I'm like, It's the middle of November. We need to. <laughs> he's so excited. So I bring in like a sprout star for him and we just planted arugula in my classroom. So now they're growing him. Two are growing in my windowsill and two of my students took some home.
1: Awesome. Awesome. That's great. So,
0: um, so
1: yeah, as far as our sequence, uh, the next step was be where, you know, you got the whole who, what, when, where uh, question, but this one would be where you got to plan your garden space. Where do you live? Do you have in-ground space? Do you want to build some raised beds? Do you want to use containers? Are you on a balcony? Uh, make sure you have enough sun. That's I think that's a big mistake that a lot of us make is um, thinking, oh, this
0: tomato will do fine in a little shade. It won't. It needs full sun. You nailed it. That is so me to a T.
1: (laughs) I know. We try to, like, like a lot of people try to push their growing zones. Don't do it. A lot of people try to push their, their amount of shade. Don't do it. You just, you have to have sun.
0: Yeah, plants are not like humans. They don't want to be in the shade. No, no, they don't.
1: Unless, unless, Okay, so there are some places where, you know, maybe it's in the desert or in Texas or something, you may need to provide some afternoon shade for some crops. You know, that is true, and it may get too hot for some crops to actually produce. But for the most part, most of the country, yeah, you're, you're going to need that six to eight hours of sun per day.
0: And also, like, there might be a time of year, like, because even we're in northwest Montana, that it does get kind of hot out there some super long afternoons. But for the most part, no, if it's, like, in a shady spot, you're going to get way too much shade.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. So the next step, then, um, once you know where you're going to plant, you're going to have to know what your growing soil is Um, if you're digging up a part of your yard and you're going to be planting there you need to do a soil test you're probably going to have to amend the soil Um, if you're doing containers or a raised bed you're probably going to be filling it with some sort of growing medium and there are tons of resources online i know i mean i've been very successful mixing my own um I just don't want to call it soil, Uh, growing medium by mixing peat and topsoil and my own compost. Uh, You can buy pre-made mixes that are already ready to go, which is the easiest way to do, which they didn't have back in 1943, so we've got it a lot easier now. But your, your growing medium is the base for what you're going to grow. Um, I, I was saying just the other day that you're growing these plants for food for your body. Well, you need to make sure your plants have food for them to produce um, all, all these tomatoes or peppers or whatever it is they're producing. They get their nutrients from the soil.
0: Well, I love that because my mom and I used to argue about the beginning of our organic oasis guidebook. And the class that we have starts out with talking about building your compost. Like the very first thing you should do that you can do any time of year, it doesn't matter what day it is, is building compost. And she's like, don't start out with something so ucky. People don't all want to make compost. But I just think that feeding your soil and feeding your nutrients, like that's definitely an underlying theme on my show, your soil
1: yes soil and you just gave one of our tips too is to start composting um kind of like you're saying i i'm not going to give all the logistics and all the scientific but just start doing it it's super easy to save your banana peels save your broccoli cut you know whatever it is that you're eating right now don't toss away uh, the excess and the 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 what typically would be the waste. So start a compost pile because you will be very happy you did when it's ready to put on your gardens.
0: So I would be remiss not to ask. Like the big one of the big hesitations I hear people tell me a lot about compost is they're afraid they're gonna get like critters, like raccoons or and we live in the woods. We have skunks, we have chipmunks and nothing gets in our compost pile. But I'm just wondering, do you have any suggestions or like my mom's like, well you don't live in a city
1: yeah i do live i i'm in a suburb of chicago and yeah sure they do you know if they're not getting in my compost they're probably digging in my garden or they're digging in the neighbor's garbage or something like that they're they're wildlife i mean we're we're pushing them off our land so yeah they get in my compost do they eat it all no is there still plenty left to decompose and use in my garden yeah If you're really worried about it, you know, buy one of the round compost rollers or build a compost bin that has a lid on it or something. I know one of my neighbors was concerned about the smell of my compost. I'm sorry. You know, our lots are only like a third of an acre or something. She's far enough away. She's not going to smell that compost. Besides, it's just a nice earthy smell. It's yeah. So tell people they've got other things to worry about than that.
0: Oh my gosh, your passion is awesome. I love this. <laughs> All right, keep going, Diane. <laughs> okay. Um, so then
1: we're kind of getting into planning. We're still in the planning. Um, you're sowing and planting dates. So this does go back to my original uh point about your last frost dates. So what you want to do is, you know, if you're wanting to get out there and plant a tomato, don't do it while the ground temperature is still cool. They'll just sit there and kind of uh, wither. They're not going to thrive until the garden soil is warm enough. So don't try to push the season too much. You'll be much more successful if you follow recommendations. uh, And if you put it out before your frost date, who knows? You may get a snow or you may get a frost and, and then all your hard work and money has gone for naught. So definitely follow suggested sowing and planting dates. Again, there's a lot of uh, good tools online. Um, it's March right now. I just planted my tomatoes and peppers indoors. Um, I know that I also can go outside and plant some peas. So be aware of what you can direct sow, what you need to transplant. Um, and again, it will be different for each location, but once you start thinking about it, making your list and planning, you're gonna be much better off.
0: Oh, this is all perfect. Um So then what comes next? Like actually planning once things warm up, like I noticed like one thing that I was surprised about. So I kept track of Mike and I've been married 27 years and I have practically from the beginning of our marriage, like every year when he put things in the ground and out of those years, almost consistently it was between April 7th and April 14th. You know, there was one year, maybe it was like March 29th and of quite a few years, like the beginning of April or the week after that. But The majority of years, he put, like, his peas, like you were saying, spinach, lettuce, stuff that can go right in the ground as soon as you can start. Because in Montana, a lot of times, like, spinach will bolt if you don't get it in soon enough. Lettuce will bolt right after, because it gets really hot in June. Yeah. So, um I forgot where I was going with that. But yeah, making, knowing when, talking to other gardeners, like local gardeners is also a great resource. Yeah. But a lot, I also find a lot of the seed companies have that kind of information in detail and they have great customer service and like videos, like seed companies are great resources.
1: They are. And and it's funny you say that because um, a huge number of the online seed companies are members of National Garden Bureau. So we have done a lot of linking in this blog post to our members so they may have a blog they may have a video they may have an online tool and so yeah a lot of that information is linked to from this blog or any of the other blogs I think we list about 10 additional blog posts at the bottom of this blog just you know in the past somebody wrote about using seed tapes and somebody else Uh, wrote about combining flowers and vegetables, and somebody else wrote about cool season vegetables, which you're talking about, you know, spinach, lettuce, that kind of thing. So you're right, the seed companies are, they provide a wealth of information, So that would be an online resource, but then also don't forget about your local garden retailer. Um, I know we're in some strange times right now. Some garden centers are able to stay open, some are not depending on the state. So call ahead, see if they're open, when they're open, if they're offering curbside service, because the thing that the garden retailers will have is transplants or starter plants. And that's the next one of our tips is um, think about what you want to direct sow and what you want to um, transplant. Now, that may mean that you've started it from seed and do your own transplanting. It may mean that you've gone to your local garden retailer and said, okay, I want two of this variety of jalapeno and two of this bell pepper and three of this beefsteak. There you go. You've got your transplants that you can uh, plant in your garden at the right time then.
0: Exactly, and I think a lot of people are going to have transplants this year because when you do plant a thing of seeds, all of a sudden, you know, if you plant a whole packet of tomato seeds, you're going to, have to put like fifty tomato plants and go, "Where am I going to put all these?" That's
1: true. Which that is a good point. If you do that, like let's say you get a a seed packet with fifty tomato seeds in, and you have good luck and you have seedlings, share them. There's so many online resources. Call your neighbors, see if they want some of your extra tomato plants. I. I think this time more than any other it's it's important for us to help out our neighbors and friends and family
0: well do you want to talk about like where did the victory garden idea come from because maybe some of my listeners have not heard of like a victory garden or know anything about the history sure.
1: yeah 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 um Shame on me. I should have said that right at the beginning. So um, it really started in World War One and it was uh, there was a victory garden program, a national victory garden program that um, I take it a lot of people were involved, like anything that's successful. And the concept then was that obviously food was not in great supply. There were shortages. A lot of our effort, well, first of all, a lot of the food that was being produced was going to uh, feed the soldiers that, that were obviously protecting our country. And so that left a lot of people at home with very little to eat or maybe it wasn't of top quality or something. So the government encouraged homeowners to transfer, um, transform some of their yards into gardens. And so there was a big push to do all this education about this is how you start a garden and this is, you know, taking them from A to Z. Um, Because if if you weren't, if you didn't come from a farming background or never gardened, you were not aware of how to do this. So it was successful in World War One. And then in between the two wars is when Mr. Burdett, our founder, founded National Garden Bureau. He was a journalist, but he also worked for a seed company. So he was very in tune to how, as you mentioned earlier, the seed companies wanted to inform their customers, uh, the home gardeners, about how to be successful. So he took that concept, formed National Garden Bureau. So that's our mission statement. We want to educate and inspire people to do more gardening and to do it successfully. Then, um, after Pearl Harbor, um, to me it sounds like Mr. Burdett would have had to start working on this book in about 1941, um, simply because back then they didn't have the easy means to publishing a book that we do now. So this, this book was published at the beginning of 1943 as a way to carry over the successes from the First World War into the Second World War. And I've seen some numbers that say about 40% of the produce that was consumed in the middle of World War II came from home gardens as well as community gardens, because that was a big push also. If you don't have the space, go here. They encouraged communities, um, you know, cities, towns, whatever to make space available for people to do some community gardening. So it was twofold. Um, There were two forks in, in that process. And from the sounds of it, it was very successful. And we're not the only ones talking about Victory Gardens. Obviously, we have the manual that we're talking to, but there are a lot of people talking about the resurgence of Victory Gardens now because it was such a great thing then, and it can be a great thing again.
0: I agree it's so timely. And thank you so much for sharing this with us. So, do we're like were we in the middle of the steps? Did we didn't finish all the steps, right? Well, I
1: just have one last step. And okay. um and actually Perfect. uh those of us um in this side of the industry, you know, on the commercial side of the industry, saw something that happened in 2008 and 9 when we had our last recession. There was a big uptake in vegetable gardening at that time, which was wonderful. However, Unfortunately, people might have gone too far on the vegetable garden side and forgotten to plant any types of flowers, be it annuals, perennials, whatever. And they didn't realize that there are certain crops that need pollinators or you're not going to get fruit or you're not going to get very shapely or large fruit. So our last tip in our blog is don't forget to plant for pollinator-friendly flowers number one they're going to make you feel good they're pretty they will add to your edible vegetable garden and they will do the work for you then and you will have cucumbers you will have squash etc
0: oh my gosh I love that so much uh so do you want to tell everybody how to connect with you Yes, um, we're all over
1: social media, Um, but the main way is through our website, and we have probably one of the smallest URLs uh, online because it's only three letters. It's the initials of our organization's name. So it's N for national, G for garden, and B for bureau.org. And when you go there, you're gonna see a lot of information about new varieties, um, a special program we have called the Year Of, And the inspiration tab is our blog. And that is where you're going to find the information about kids gardening and Victory Garden. We have one blog post up now. We're going to do three more. So the first one was about planning. The second one will be about planting. The third one will be about care and maintenance. And the fourth one will be about harvesting. So we do have more blogs coming out to support the whole idea of Victory Gardening.
0: Well, this is just awesome. I know my listeners are going to love this and thank you so much for sharing with us today and you have a wonderful day, Diane. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis Guidebook available today from Amazon. It's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own Organic Oasis um it starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just um all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay. What Mike has done here at Mike's green garden and just um I hope that it will help you on your garden journey uh to create like i said your own organic oasis um where you can have healthy food and enjoy um you know a very special place and most of all it's good for mother earth do you know someone who would benefit from the organic gardener podcast if you like what you hear we'd love it if you'd share the organic gardener podcast with a friend thanks again for listening and remember grow local